Oh, it's good to be here. Thank you. This on? Okay. I'm kind of loud, so <laughs> you might need to turn me down a little bit in a minute. <laughs> so let's just pray for a minute. Father, we just thank you so much for who you are and for what you do. Because you are a good, good, good father. And you do things like nobody else can do. So we just want to say we love you, we honor you, and we give you our hearts this morning. Lord, we just take our hearts and we just present them to you. And we ask you to have your way and do what you do so well. Holy Spirit, we love you. And we thank you for your presence. Jesus, we honor you. And we can never thank you enough for going to the cross for us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Well, it is an absolute honor to be here with you guys. And um, we have had the privilege of ministering to a lot of you already, and it's just been beautiful to see what God has done with hearts and lives. He's just so good. And um, the Sozo ministry that that John was just talking about was... Um, it was actually discovered in my life out of my pain. And I needed some healing. I'd gone through some, some difficult things in the church. And, um, you know, it wasn't, you know, you know, things just happen. You know, hurting people hurt people. And, you know, and sometimes when people um, are hurting, they, they hurt you and they don't mean to. But it just happens. And, you know, a lot of times in the church we try and just stuff down our stuff and just be tough and pretend like it didn't happen and forgive and just go on. But there's all these wounds in our heart. And um, I was at a place where these wounds in my heart were really affecting me. And I was doing everything I knew to just forgive and let things go. And um, I went on a missions trip with Bethel and took my kids. And um, this was years ago now, ten, over 10 years ago, and um, or maybe it was about 10 years ago. Anyway, I, I, I went on this missions trip with my kids, and I remember I was in the bathroom just chit-chatting with this lady, and I didn't know anybody. Um, it was just me and my kids and all these people from Bethel that I didn't know, which was wonderful because I just got to go meet new people and explore and I love doing stuff like that. So I was in the bathroom and I was talking and she said, she was just asking me questions about myself and I was talking and she said, it sounds like you've got bitterness in your heart. And I was like, I do. And I go, and I don't know how to get it out. I have done everything I know. I have forgiven and forgiven and forgiven and forgiven. I mean, over and over. I mean, every time I get a bad thought, I forgive again. You know, I don't know what else to do to get this out of my heart. And she goes, I do. She goes, come here and sit down. So she sat me down on one of the bunk beds and she took me through a sozo, um, this inner healing technique. And it was really fast. She just did a little bit. But within five minutes, I was 
undone, just tears just flowing everywhere. I was in the moment where I'd gotten really, really hurt. And Jesus showed up and showed me where he was and what he had to say about it. And my heart was healed. And I looked at her and I'm like, what did you just do? I need more. And I've got to have more of this. And so she... um. <laughs> She said, well, we can't do any more right now because we got to go out there and minister, <laughs> you know. And um, she said, but, but I'll tell you more about it later. So that led me on my discovery of the inner healing ministry. And when I got back from that missions trip, I'm like, okay, we have to have this in our church. Um, there are so many people that are hurting and broken. And I know they're forgiven and I know they're saved, but they're still carrying around their stuff from their past. And they're hurting other people. And this has got to change. We've got to be the healthiest place in the world. So when the lost come in, we can be the doctors, not the ones that wound them more. You know, I mean, come on, we need to be healed and healthy and whole. So so that's why we started the Sozo ministry at Victory. And um, it started, um, we went and met with some people in Austin who helped us get it launched and did some training with us. And they told me, they said, you know, I see a vision of an avalanche coming. And um, you guys are not going to be able to keep up with what happens through this ministry. And we have trained people. I mean, we have teams. We do, you know, sometimes six, seven sozos a week at our church. We have a waiting list of three to six months, always. We can't keep up with it because one person gets free, and guess what they do? They want everybody else to know how awesome it was and the freedom that they got. And so then ten more people sign up, you know, which is awesome because so many people are getting set free. But... um it's it's been um, challenging to keep up with it, but we love it and we love the fruit of it, and God is just so good. He's so good. So um, it's been an honor to come and share some of that with you guys, and I'm sure you'll be hearing the stories <laughs> and going, "I want one. Sign me up." <laughs> so um, I have um, a prophetic word I wanted to start with sharing with you guys um, that I'd written down in my journal. And um, so I'm just going to read it to you so I don't miss any of it because it's, it's really, it's about the time that we're in right now. And um, the Lord said to me, beloved, it's time for my warrior bride to rise up and be all that she was created to be. I've brought you to this place of being activated at a greater level than ever before. And that's part of what Sozo does. Once you get healed, you get activated because you become fearless. And when you're fearless, that's when you can do what God created you to do. It's fear that holds us back from our destinies. And I don't know about you guys, but I am tired of fear holding me back from what God wants me to do. He said, it's time to fun function on all cylinders. No fear. I'm bringing you into new territory. I'm driving out the enemy before you. And you will increase in strength. You must defeat the giants within you before you can defeat the giants in the land. He showed me he's taking us into the promised land. This is the time that we have been waiting for. This is the time that we've been preparing for, we've been training for, we've been getting ready to do what God has really called us to do. And now we're ready to go. And he showed me some of us are marching over and going, ah, the giants, because of the giants that are in us. But really, those giants are scared of you. 
if you read that story, the giants were terrified of them because of their God. And it's about time we know who our God is that is with us. Some of the giants he was talking to me about was fear, pride, selfish ambition, jealousy, contention, fear of man, fear of rejection, self-righteousness. He said, just to name a few. (laughs) I'm empowering my body and building confidence, not pride and not selfishness, but confidence. That is what he's doing, beloved, in all of us. We're in a season of new beginnings, unlike any season we've ever known. Revelation and insight has increased, and if it hasn't increased in your life, it will after this weekend. I'm just telling you because revelation and insight is increasing it is increasing like never before. My dream life, I've, I've never really had prophetic dreams or that or I didn't ever remember them. The beginning of the year, it was one dream after another dream after another dream after another dream of God showing me stuff. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is the way it's supposed to be when we sleep. We're supposed to lay down, get sweet sleep and revelate in our sleep and wake up with, with um, knowing where God wants us to go and having divine strategies where what he he wants us to do this revelation and insight has increased favor has increased some of you guys are going to experience financial favor like you have never experienced in your life not only financial favor but doors opening for you right and left people inviting you to go do things that you don't think that you can do and guess what None of us can do the things God asks us to do without him. We serve a great big God who has asked us to do impossible things. And we just get to step into agreement and partnership with him and do it. He said miracles will begin to become normal like they were for the early church. How many of you are ready for that? (laughs) I am so ready. I am so ready. Financial miracles, we're already seeing them. I mean, I I could tell you testimony after testimony of financial miracles that are happening in people's lives, including mine that I know of, but I mean a lot of people. Um, Healing miracles. It's the time and the season that you were born for, beloved. This is your season. The Lord says, I've been training you and expanding you so that you can handle this kind of favor and power and influence. Little by little, I'm going to give you more and more land to possess as you're ready. He's not going to give you more than you can handle. But he is going to expand you. He is going to get the junk out so that you can do what he wants you to do. We're his, we're his team. We're his A-team. And it's, we're on. <laughs> we're on. The world is looking for the real deal. They're tired of religion. They're tired of judgment. They're tired of criticism. The world is looking for love. They are looking for God. They just don't know it. And it's up to us to represent him well. He said pride and selfish ambition cannot come near you because they will destroy what I've planned for you. So as he increases you, As you begin to get financially blessed, as all these doors begin to open for you, remember, 
who did it for you. He said, keep your heart with all diligence because out of it flow the issues of life. And I just want to share a testimony. I um, was preparing last week for a ladies meeting that I was doing and I was spending this time with the Lord and I was just soaking and just, you know, just worshiping and praying and just enjoying his presence. And um, sometimes I put on YouTube, you know, like Bethel soaking music or whatever, just random songs. And so I never know what's coming next. <laughs> it's just it's always different. And all of a sudden this song comes on and it was Stephanie um, Frizzle. Um, I can't remember her new last name. I can't say it right. It begins with a G is all I know. <laughs> It's hard to say. Anyway, it was her and Amanda Cook, and they were sitting and singing and having this moment together. And they were just lost in the love of God together, just singing. And all of a sudden, she goes, Hello, heart. How are you? It's been a while. Let me introduce myself, heart. How are you? And I was in the presence of God, and all of a sudden I was like, Hello, heart, how are you? And I felt all this pain in my heart. And I was like, Oh, you're not doing very good, aren't you? (laughs) Maybe we should have talked sooner. And so I began to walk through this process with the Lord. And I was like, Father, what is it? What is it that's making my heart hurt? And he began to show me and show me people I needed to forgive and just began to take me through this beautiful process. And um, I got finished. And then I was like, okay, because I do sozo all the time, I self-sozo myself a lot. And I was like, Okay, so Father, what do you want to give me now? Now that I've given you all my junk. Because he always gives us something better. He's, he's such a great exchanger. You know, we give him our sin. He gives us life abundantly. <laughs> we give him our pride. He gives us, you know, I mean, he's always giving us really good stuff in return. And I was like, okay, so Father, what do you want to give me? So he starts giving me this stuff. And it was just really cool. And um, I'm not going to get into all that. But he's giving me these things, and then I was like, oh, Father, thank you, because he so honors us. And I was just like, you know, here I was, just showing you the junk in my heart, and you're going to turn around and just give me all this amazing stuff in return. And he said to me, he goes, I'm a good gardener. And he took me into a vision, and I saw the Father on his knees And he was pulling weeds out of a garden. And I don't know, some of you guys' gardens, you know, this time of year in spring, you know, they, I know mine was a little unattended after the winter, you know, and it had a lot of weeds growing, I mean, in the natural I'm talking about now. (laughs) And, um, and the Lord was just showing me how he got on his knees and he tenderly was pulling up these weeds out of the garden. And he was being so careful to make sure that not one root broke off in there and started another weed. He was being so tender and so careful. And he's so funny. I mean, I just, he, he loves to laugh. You know, I mean, I think, I think he's been really misrepresented over the years because, I mean, he laughs all the time. And if you just 
talk to him and hang out with him, he is always laughing. Because the next thing he said to me is he said, don't worry, beloved, I won't ever use a weed eater. (laughs) And he started just laughing. And he was like, I'll help you tend to your garden. He said, I'll always do it, and I'll do it so tenderly. He's just so sweet. So the reason I started with us just saying, Father, we give you our hearts, is because there's some things he wants to do in hearts today. hes I don't know if any of you have been feeling this other than me, but he is on uh, a program right now of <laughs> getting his body ready. And the way he's getting us ready is getting the junk out of our hearts. Because we cannot function on all cylinders and move at this pace that he's called us to move at and display his glory and his goodness on the earth if we've got all this junk in our heart. So I want to talk to you for a few minutes about honor. When we started the Sozo ministry and we met with these ladies in Austin and she prophesied over us, she said to me, she said, I'm hearing the Lord say the foundation of this ministry must be honor. And I said, yes, because I love honor. And I'd seen so many people hurt in the church because of dishonor and gossiping and backbiting and judging. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, we've got to be who Jesus wants us to be and honor one another. And treat one another with respect. I just went to a funeral on, um, I don't know what day it was, last week, Thursday or something, Wednesday. Um, and I met this lady. She was just really highlighted to me at this funeral. And it was a young guy that had passed away. And I didn't know him, but he, um, he obviously, you know, his friends... <laughs> He obviously didn't go to church very often, let me just say that, okay? I mean, the, the, the whole place was filled with people that didn't know the Lord. And, um, and they were young, and they were sharing their, you know, when they get up to, to, to grieve, you know, and to, to talk, they were pretty much sharing their party stories, you know, and, and things. And, um, and there was this one lady, I just, I prayed the whole service because I was just so grieved. And there was this one lady that was really highlighted to me. It was just like she just kept standing out to me. And um, I was in a hurry, and I had things I had to do, and I needed to get out of there, and I was leaving. And she's sitting out in the hall. <laughs> and I'm by herself. And I'm like, I look, and I'm like... Okay, God, (laughs) I hear you. (laughs) And so I walked over to her and I started talking to her. And, um, and she said, do you work here? And I said, yes, I do. And she said, um, she goes, well, I'm an atheist. And I go, oh, that's good. I said, it's nice to meet you, you know. And, and so I just started talking to her and honoring her and just loving her where she was at. And, um, not reacting to the atheist comment at all. And all of a sudden, the Lord gave me a word for her, and I said, you know, um, somebody hurt you um, years ago, and they misrepresented God. They didn't act like he would have acted. And because of the way they acted, you decided you didn't want to have anything to do with God. And he wants you to know he's sorry that they treated you that way, and that was not him. And she looked at me, and she just said, oh, my gosh, 
She said, my, you know, she told me the people that did it, you know, I won't say anything, but she, I mean, she just said, you know, these people really hurt me. And they judged me and they criticized me and they were Christians and I wasn't a Christian. And they judged me and criticized me and have judged me and criticized me for years. That's why she d- decided she's an atheist. And I said, you know what? The Pharisees used to do that, and Jesus had a few things to say to them. I don't think Jesus likes it when we act like that. So don't put people that act like that in the same category as Jesus, because that's not who he is. He is love, and he is kind, and he is good, and he doesn't judge you. His arms are outstretched to you. In fact, he would love for you to just step into his arms right now. And she said, you know what? I think I'm going to come to church on Sunday. And then she let me pray for her. And she said, Amen. (laughs) So, you know, honor is huge. It's huge. And um, I really feel like God is just saying it's time for us, his body, to act like he acts. You know, the reason people don't want anything to do with God is because so many times the church is not representing God. I mean, who wants anything to do with judgment, you know, and being criticized? And I mean, none of us are good enough. That's why Jesus died. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) So I'm just going to talk for a few minutes about honor and how Jesus represented honor. And I'm trying, gonna try not to come undone when I read this story. Um, I'm gonna share with you from Luke chapter 7. The definition of honor is to regard or treat someone with admiration and great respect. To give special recognition to somebody. And let's just, as keeping that definition in mind, let's just look at how Jesus treated this woman. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as I read this story, it's like God takes me there. And I can just see this woman with all her fear. And with all her shame, because sexual sin brings so much shame into people's lives. And she took a huge step to step into those Pharisees' house to push back past all that fear and all that judgment and all that criticism she knew was going to come at her. And she knew she deserved it. And she stood behind him at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, I'm sorry, but I think we all have a little bit of Pharisee in us, and it needs to get out. I went to the gym the other day and this girl walks past me and she's got these really short shorts on and this half shirt 
And I went, oh my gosh, in my mind, right? And the Holy Spirit is right there in our mind. He knows our thoughts. And he said, really? Do you remember how you used to dress when you were that age? Really? You're really going to judge her. And I'm like, Holy Spirit, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's that Pharisee. If this man were a prophet, the Pharisee said, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. You can only imagine their looks as she walked in there. Looking up and down her, turning up their nose, whispering, talking. And Jesus answered him. This is who Jesus is. And this is who we need to represent. Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owned him, owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. And then he turned towards the woman and listened to how he honored her. He said, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you didn't give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss. But this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. As her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And I have to say I'm one that has been forgiven much and loves much. And I'm so thankful that when I walked into church when I was 21 years old, with all my sin and all my shame, that I wasn't judged. I walked in and felt the love of God for the first time in my life. And I was like, God, how can you love me? Knowing the things I've done, how can you love me? And that love wrecked me. That love, I was like, I've got to know this love. This is what I've been looking for my whole life. This is what I really needed. And from that day on, I gave my life to the Lord. I was filled with the Holy Spirit that night, and I have not gone back. I went to all my friends that, you know, I went to Southwest Texas State University, the biggest party school in Texas, because it was the biggest party school in Texas. That's why I chose it. I went back to all my friends. You've got to know Jesus. You've got to know this one. This is what we're looking for in the drugs and the drinking. This is it. He's the one. He's the one we're after. And I'm going to read to you about Zacchaeus. I mean, I know it's a story we all know, but sometimes you reread these with different eyes. I need a Kleenex. I told you I would probably get emotional with that story, but I've had encounters where I have seen his feet in front of me 
and kissed them. And I love him so much for forgiving me. So I'm going to read from Luke 19. Let me just pull myself together here. We know the story. Jesus reached the spot where Zacchaeus was. Just think about who Zacchaeus was, how he was hated, how he was judged, how nobody liked him. He wanted to see Jesus. I don't know if he even wanted Jesus to see him because of his shame. But he wanted to see him. You know, a lot of times when people are filled with pride, underneath it's just fear, masquerading as pride. And I kind of have a feeling that's how Zacchaeus was. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. He knew who he was. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. (laughs) Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation's come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. Just because he's full of pride, just because he's stealing from everybody, just because everybody hates him, it does not mean he's not mine. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Honoring someone that we don't see as honorable brings them into their destiny. It helps them realize who they really are. There was a man named Charles, and we have um, we do treasure hunts at our at our church. And for those of you who aren't familiar with that, what we do is we pray, we ask God for clues of where He wants us to go, um, who He wants us to talk to, what they might look like, and we just get random clues. Like these these girls that were doing it this night, they got red shirt, Chick Fil A. Um, I think they had another clue. So they go to Chick Fil A, and there's this man sitting there in a red shirt, and his name's Charles. He's homeless. He's a drug addict. And um, they go over to Charles. I think he'd just gone in to get a drink or something. And um, they walked over to him and began to honor him and love him and tell him how awesome he was. And I don't think he believed a word they were saying. And his testimony, because he came back to tell it, was that they said to him, you're not going to be on the streets any longer. God's going to turn things around for you. And in his mind, he thought, yeah, right. I'm a crack addict. I've been on the streets for years, ladies. You have no idea what you're talking about. 
Two days later, he walked into a crack house to buy crack. He bought it, sat down, and was about to use it. And he said, all of a sudden, it was like something happened to him. And he looked around the room, and he could see things for the way they really were. And he thought, I don't want to be here. And I don't ever want to do this stuff again. He threw it down, ran out, and never went back to it again. Two months later, it was because of honor. Two months later, he walks into our church in a suit and a tie. And he said, I'm looking for three ladies. And he told me their names. I go, I don't know who they are, you know. And he, and, and he, goes, he goes, well, let me tell you who I am. He said, my name's Charles. And these ladies found me at Chick-fil-A. And they told me that I wasn't going to be on the streets anymore. And he tells me the whole story. And he goes, I came back to honor those ladies and to thank them because my life has changed. I now have a job. I am now off the streets and I haven't done crack since and I don't ever want to do it again. That happened because of honor. Our words are powerful. Our words either give life or death. Bill Johnson has a um, quote that I love. It says, honor people for who they are without stumbling over who they're not. And in this day and age with all the... um, political fighting and stuff that's been going on and the division and the bickering. Um, I just want to encourage you guys, don't get caught up in a spirit of strife. You know, don't get caught up arguing with people over politics and, and things. Just show them the love of God. That's what they need. They need a demonstration, not words. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. And I love what the message says. It says, words kill and words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. Our words either attract heaven or hell. And I know that sounds intense, but it is true. I remember as a little girl sitting around with kids who wanted to tell ghost stories and weird stories about stuff that was going on in their houses or whatever, you know. And I remember sitting there and it would freak me out because of the atmosphere that would start to come in when they would talk about it. They were attracting the demonic right there. Fear on all of his friends. We do an experiment with the students at school, and um, we will go to a restaurant or somewhere, and we'll sit, and we will do nothing but tell testimonies while we sit there and talk. And we will watch and recognize as the atmosphere around us changes, as the angels come, as you begin to feel heaven get closer, and the presence of God get closer, as we begin to talk about the things of God. It's like they're just waiting, going, okay, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Who in here can we touch? Ephesians 4.29 says, watch the way you talk. Say only what helps. And this is, this is from the message. I, I like the message. Sometimes I like it, sometimes I don't. 
I'll just read the ones I like. (laughs) Watch the way you talk. Say only what helps. Each word a gift. Charles received a gift. And it changed his life. How many lives are out there that God wants you to change with the gift of your words and with honor? Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. When I went on that mission trip I told you about, I saw honor demonstrated for the first time and really, really demonstrated for the first time in my life. I mean, I'd had people honor and, you know, and, but I watched it at another level. My son was 14 years old. He just, he was born with a club foot. And so he'd had multiple surgeries. He'd gone through a lot. Um, he, um, had just had to stop playing sports and he was really, really good at sports and the pain level had gotten so high that he couldn't play anymore. He had to quit soccer, then he had to quit basketball. So he had a little bit of anger going on, a little bit of frustration, you know. He's grown up in the church. He's, you know, seen lots of people healed, you know, and he was, you know, God, I don't understand why you're not healing me, all the questions that come. And um, he told me he wanted to go on a missions trip, and he'd always wanted to go. And I said, okay, we'll go. And so I took him, and um, he was... Just about to finish junior high and go into high school. And um, you could tell he had an attitude. (laughs) I mean, I'm just, you know, just being real. You can tell when a teenager's got an attitude. And I'd been places with him, you know, in church a lot, where leaders would come and they'd really get on him because of his attitude, you know, not knowing what was going on in his heart not knowing who he was and what he'd believed for, what he'd stood for, what, how many times he'd been let down, how the pain that was in his heart. And so here we are, the first day of the missions trip, we're with Bethel, we know nobody. And this guy walks up to him and just starts talking to him and telling him how amazing he is, that he sees the call of God on his life, just starts pulling out the gold out of him. Not looking at the outward surface, but looking in and pulling out who God said he was. We hadn't even got on the bus yet to go down into Mexico. We were still in California. And I watched his countenance change. We got on the bus and I saw it didn't matter whether they were older or younger. Every single person that talked to him, wanted to know about his interests. They wanted to know what he liked. They wanted to talk to him on his level. They honored him and honored him and honored him. The first night on this missions trip, we started worship, and within one song, he had this giant water bottle, and he was playing the drums, singing with all his heart, worshiping. My daughter looked over at me, and she said, I haven't seen him worship like that in years. And I said, I haven't either. 
And that's what honor does. The second or third day, they asked him if he would preach. He preached at a church, and here's mom. Do you have a message? Have you read the Bible? You know. <laughs> He's like, I got it, mom. Okay. He stood up and preached, and it was like the power of God just filled that place, preaching right out of everything he'd walked through. Then we went out to the streets, and he had a word of knowledge. And he walked up to the leader and he said, you know, I've never done this before, but I feel like God's healing somebody's left ear and that they've been deaf since the time they were born. And God wants to touch them and heal them tonight. So the guy hands him the mic. I mean, they just honored. So he gets on the mic. He didn't know what to do. He goes, okay, I feel like, you know, somebody out there has been deaf in their left ear. This man raises his hand. Older man walks up. They pray for him, his ear opens up, and he gets healed. That's what honor does. Honor changes lives. It brings life, and it brings unity. It brings so much unity. There was one scripture that I I wanted to read on unity, and I skipped over it. Let me go back. Because God wants us united. He wants us to have each other's backs. I mean, I'm telling you, there is so much going on, and we need to be out there with one another, holding up each other's arms, covering each other's backs, helping one another up when they fall, wiping off the dirt and saying, come on, let's go again. I mean, if we're not for each other in the church... How, how are we going to love the unlovely if we can't love one another? Romans 12, 9 says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Honor also brings miracles. Mark 6, verse 3. Jesus was ministering, and they said, Isn't this the carpenter? They didn't honor him. Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. We have to be so careful. How we honor one another. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town. Among his relatives and in his own home. And he could do, he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. But where did their lack of faith come from? Dishonoring him. I've been ministering at our church for years, and and, um, I minister on the 
ministry team on Friday nights, every Friday night. And I, as a minister, I can stand in front of somebody to pray for them, and I can be so full of God, and I can be standing in front of them, and I can feel them honor me, and I can feel the anointing just go all over them. And I can walk to the next person and feel just the opposite. I can feel all the same presence right here, but it's not going anywhere because they're not honoring and there's a, there's a teaching that um, we have in the school, and it talks about when you come to receive something from God, come with your glass empty and just let God fill it up. You can receive from a child. You can receive from anyone. When my daughter was little, I remember walking down the street with her and her wanting to stop and look at every little rock and every little flower. And I remember just being like, oh my gosh, come on, let's get to the beach. Because we lived right by the beach, you know, we were only one block away. I'm like, let's get to the beach. It's much better there. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, you need to be more like her. Where you appreciate every little thing that I do. Instead of wanting to be on to the next thing. And I was like, wow, I just learned from my daughter. My little two-year-old. Ashley was talking about children's ministry and, and helping in the children's ministry. And I um, that's where I started ministering. And I, I love children. And there's, a, there's an army that's, that's rising up. And don't ever feel like... Um, you can't take the time to minister to one of them because they're powerful. I just heard a testimony recently of a man who was healed of stage four cancer through a kid. I think he was an eight or nine year old kid praying for him. He was in the healing rooms at Bethel. I met him and he said that he said that he walked in there and he said, he wrote on his form, he was an atheist, he wrote on his form, he only went there because his son asked him to go, and he was dying. And he, he wrote on the form, do not let anybody touch me. And this little kid walks up to him and prays for him. He didn't get the memo that he wasn't supposed to touch. <laughs> he went into an encounter with Jesus and saw Jesus. He fell out on the floor, saw Jesus. And Jesus came to him and said, I'm going to heal you. And he said, he said, um, what did he say? He said, I, no, he said, I love you and I'm going to heal you. And he said, well, Jesus, I don't love you. And he said, I love you anyway, and I'm going to heal you anyway. And he woke up, you know, from his encounter, got up off the floor, and um, he was still a non-believer. He was freaked out, but he was still a non-believer. He went and got tested a couple weeks later, and he was cancer-free. And his doctor said, what happened? And he said, well, <laughs> and he started saying, this kid prayed for me in the name of Jesus, and Jesus showed up, and I don't even believe in Jesus, and now I guess I'm better. And the lady's like, well, I want to know Jesus. So he ended up trying to lead her to Christ, and he didn't even know him yet. (laughs) 
So don't ever dishonor a child or anybody. I mean, I remember kids praying for me and me just getting so filled with the Holy Spirit through a little child praying for me. So um, I feel like the Father wants to visit some hearts. So um, can I take just a few more minutes? Okay. Thank you. Let's just go to him and say, Father, would you take a walk with me through the garden of my heart? And show me if there's any weeds there. ask him, say, Father, can you show me who I need to forgive? Father, I choose to forgive all those people that have hurt me. And I break every vow or judgment I've made against them. And I release them from all punishment. Now, Father, will you come? And gently pull up these weeds. And Father God, I choose to hand to you all fear. I refuse to partner with a spirit of fear any longer. What would you like to give me in exchange? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Have your way. Lord, we just ask that you would open up the windows and the doors in our heart and flow in and out freely. Forgive us for keeping you out. Forgive us for being too busy to pull the weeds. Forgive us for ignoring the thing that's so important to you, which is our relationship with you.
Forgive us, Father. We give you access. And we ask you to have your way. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So good. So good. So good. So, I don't know what time you guys usually go to here. (laughs) But um, I have an amazing, powerful group of people that are here (laughs) with me that are... (laughs) filled with the presence of God. And um, if we could demonstrate some honor for a few minutes, I would love for them to prophesy over, over you guys. If you guys want to stick around for a few minutes, you guys want to come up? And they're just going to call out the gold in you, tell you how amazing you are. And all you have to do is agree with it. <laughs> God is so good. So good. So, Margaret, I have a word for you. Is Margaret? Okay. Um, I just, um, I see that you've got a real caring heart, and you just really care for people at a really high level. And I see you, like, stopping and, um, like, stopping your life for others. And the Lord says he's noticed, and he loves the way you love. And he said um, he is just going to um, break break off anything that has hindered you from being able to go full force with that. Because he said there's a whole nother level that he's taking you to of, of loving people and um, setting them free. There's a sword in your hand and um, there's an anointing on your life to set people free. And it's through the way you love. So he says, good job. My name is Pam, and um, I have a corporate word. Is that okay? Okay. Because I, um, I had this vision last week of the Starship Enterprise from Star Trek. And I'm, and I'm not a Star Trek person, so it was kind of weird. And I was like, okay, God, what are you, what are you saying? And, the, and this church, as the Starship Enterprise, was hovering over Midland. And... Um, and I heard the Lord say that he's given you the city. And, um, and he, had me, he had me look up, because the, the, the very beginning of Star Trek, it, it says this stuff. And I was like, I don't know what it says, and I don't even know if it's on TV anymore. So he said, well, look it up. And I was like, okay, I don't know if it's going to tell me, but Google will tell you just about anything. It says space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission, which is your mission's not five years. It's till the second coming of Christ, by the way. Um, is to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. And, you know, and then the whole beam me up, Scotty, kept coming to mind. <laughs> And, and I just saw you guys as, as a group of people, a mighty group of people that are going to take 
the beloved that are going to take believers in this city. You're going to unite churches and, and unite believers together. And you're going to take people to places where they never thought that they could go before. And you're going to release the loving and the healing power of God. There's such a sweet presence of the Lord in this place. And you guys are just going to about to explode. I, I see, you know, in the Starship Enterprise, they, you know, they had everyone there that, you know, they were wise. They were knowledgeable. They had understanding. They disarmed enemies. And they dis, uh, disarmed evil nations. Okay, so I just see that what God has put in this house and the blessing and the glory that's in this house is going to go over and beyond anything that you guys could ever think or imagine. So I just want to bless you guys with that. And I just want to decree over you guys that it is, it is a new day and you guys are on a journey to, to, to lead Midland, to lead Midland into places, into the glory realms of God where, you know, there's provision for the path. I just declare provision for every path, for every mission trip that you guys go on because you guys have the wisdom, the knowledge, the presence, the understanding of the Lord God Almighty because you guys are hovering. You guys are hovering and you have divine perspective and you can see what God needs you to see and you can understand what God needs you to understand and you can release the word of the Lord into the land and bring healing in Jesus name. This is, uh, oh, Corey, um, this is kind of a corporate word because it's not like the Lord saying, call this person out or, or say this. So, um, the word that I was hearing was emotional breakthrough. Uh, so if that's for you, I just want you to take a step of faith, raise your hand, stand up. I just want to just release that breakthrough over you. So if you'd be bold enough, if that word is for you, emotional breakthrough. And, and I'll just say from, well, not, not even from a guy's perspective, but guys do this. We try to, we try to tuck stuff away and suppress our emotions and our hurts, right? And we try not to talk about it, right? We try to avoid talking about the emotions. So uh, if there's some men out there that, you know, you've been suppressing some stuff, the Lord wants to be your deliverer and give you a release, so uh, you can raise your hand and stand up. <laughs> uh, thank you for your obedience. Heavenly Father, we just declare right now that you're, you're here and you're everywhere at all times. And you're walking by each person whispering that sweet word of emotional breakthrough into their ear, into their spirit over their bodies, over their emotions. I just command every suppressed emotion to be released right now in Jesus' name. Everything that has been tied up, tied to hurt, tied to trauma, tied to stress, pressure, everything that has been built up, entangled within the mind, the will, and the emotions, I command right now by the power of the Holy Spirit to be released 
I release the glory light of Jesus Christ to bring healing to every area of the heart, the mind, the will, the emotions right now. And Father, I just thank you for each person that they would sense an emotional release. They would sense your love, your tender touch, Father. And I thank you for just that sweetness of surrender that's over them right now, a presence of surrender that's over them, that they can surrender over those, those emotions that have been suppressed. So in Jesus' name, the Lord says, I heal your hurt. I heal your wound. I am the Lord of your heart. And he's kissing your heart right now. He's kissing your heart. Because your heart is precious to him, valuable to him. In Jesus' name, just receive that. Receive that. And then I have another word for the... I mean, I have about five, but I'm going to be nice and pass the mic. Uh, the other one is... I, I, I felt it for this gentleman right here, the white shirt. Yeah. I feel like the Lord's highlighting you, um, and the word is launch out into deeper waters. He's calling you to launch out into deeper waters. And, and look up, it's in the Gospels. I, I'm, I can't remember what gospel it is, it, it's in, but Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's telling them to, to launch out into the deeper waters. And, but I also, at the same time that the, the Lord's highlighting you for that word, I also feel that for the congregation. Launch out. Trust him to go into the deeper waters where he's calling you. He's bidding you into the deeper waters and see what see what he has for you out there. Amen. Okay, so um, I just feel to share a couple of things about myself. I used to be a drug addict, a drug dealer, promiscuous over 35 years ago, 33 years ago. And I felt like the Lord said that was such a divine encounter with addiction, and he totally set me free. And I feel like today is your day. Whatever you're addicted to, whatever has your attention, I feel like it's miraculous and it's a supernatural encounter. And if there's anything in your life, and if you feel bold enough to stand up, then you stand up. And if you're not, that's okay too. But I feel like God wants to set you free. You're going to leave this place different than when you came in here because he is a big God and nothing is impossible for him. So, Father, I pray right now over every addiction that you would set every person free from anything that has their attention, Lord God, that you would set them free supernaturally, that they would fly with you, Lord God. Nothing is impossible for you, Lord. And we just thank you that you are the God of freedom. And we just speak freedom into every part of their being, their minds, their wills, their emotions, their physical body, their spirit. They are set apart for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And no weapon formed against them shall prosper. Today is the day of deliverance. It's divine. It's supernatural. It's all about him and not about us. And we just thank you, Father, for what you're doing. We thank you. We receive it and we're going to walk in it in Jesus' name. Amen. And I have a word for this young man right here. What's your name? Justin. I heard the Lord say, you are a huge teddy bear.
My husband and I love teddy bears, okay? We are teddies. That's what we call each other. Because you know why? Teddy bears are so soft and so tender and so cuddly. He says, you're so soft and so tender and so cuddly, but there is a warring person inside of you that God is raising up for this generation. They need to hear from you, Justin. You have what it takes. And I feel there's such a strong call on your life to really lead people to Jesus. Jesus. And I feel like today is your day. You are an amazing person. You have a beautiful heart. You have a beautiful heart that really hungers and thirsts for God. And I feel like today is your day of total freedom. And if you will just look to him, he will provide everything that's needed. Nothing is impossible for him. Yes, he's called you. Yes, he's anointed you. Yes, he's equipped you for such a time as this. And I thank God for you. I thank God for you. And we honor you right where you're at. We honor you because he loves you and he honors you right where you're at. And we thank you for you, Justin. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Justin. And Father, I just pray right now for Justin. I thank you that he is an honor to the body of Christ. He is an honor to us. And Lord, we honor him. We love him and we bless him. And we thank you for the call on his life. That today is a new day. He leaves this place running for you, Lord. And we thank you that he leaves everything behind. Because you are a God of impossible. He walks in the miracles, the signs, the wonders. This generation needs to see the real love. The real soft, tender heart of Papa God. But also the authority that you've given him to stand up in the truth. And to set the captives free. Today is a new day. And we thank you for his life. And we honor him him and we love him in Jesus name. Amen. Okay, this is for everyone here. And Pastor Sally did an amazing job of talking about honor and about encounters and about hearts. But I feel like it was like I could almost hear some of you saying, Well, I've never experienced that. Or how do I do that? And I just want to encourage you that it's not about doing, but God wants to encounter you more than you want an encounter with him. And he's so personal that he knows exactly what will get your attention. He knows exactly how to speak to your heart. So all it is is about just opening up your arms and just saying, here I am, encounter me. Speak to my heart. So there are no limitations. You're not disqualified in any way. Believe me, you are not disqualified. And he wants to encounter you. So, Lord, I just pray for this whole congregation, Father, for encounters. And those that have been having encounters, I pray for deeper encounters, Father. Make yourself real to your body. And I thank you for it, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That was Pastor Charlie, my wife. She's the other pastor from Houston. And then um, I'm going to do real quick personal words that the Lord has given me. Um, Melissa. The Lord says you are remembered. You are not forgotten. You are remembered. He sees 
He knows. He's proud of you, and you are remembered. You too. Don't be afraid to dream. You are more than you know. Don't be afraid to dream. Is that kind of closer? All right. Um, and if I don't prophesy, I, I mean, we're, we're not going to do everybody, obviously. And, but but the, I'm just doing the ones that he showed me. Jacob, I want you to come up here right now. And Pastor Charlie and I are going to pray fire on your hands for healing, something he showed me to do. Um, and also, Jake, I heard, I heard the Lord. It was like you were a little boy. And I heard this voice say, you can do it, Jake. You can do it, Jake. You can do it, Jake, over and over and over. So I hope that burns in your mind every time when you think otherwise. You can do it. But in a minute, we're going to pray, pray for you. When you were prophesying during the worship, the Lord went like that. More. Don't be afraid to be who you are, Lisa. In your freedom. There's one more here. Who was it? I don't know this gentleman here. Hello. I'm Pastor Tom. I'm John's daddy. You know that? No? Okay. Well, I just felt like the Lord wants you to know that you matter. That what you do and who you are, that it makes a difference. I don't know if that means anything at all to you. But he's proud of you and you matter. And you do too. He has not forgotten you. He knows what's going on in your heart. Okay. <laughs> and I had one more. Amen. Now, you, you, I'm a teacher, you know, among other things, since, and not, since I'm not a retired pastor, we could, <laughs> we could prophesy all day, but we're not going to do that because, because we want to honor <laughs> your, your stomachs. Um, but I do have, uh, before we, we pray, and we're going to pray for people if you want, so I'm not taking over, I promise. Uh, but Josie... <laughs> I'm not going to embarrass you because I know you too well. But the reason we prayed for you at the beginning is that you have been lit up all weekend where God's going to give you encounters and they're going to be custom fit for you. They're not going to, they might scare you a little bit, but they're not going to pull you out of who you are. But you're coming into an incredibly, entirely new season. God, all the amazing things that you are and who you are is going to be put on display in a way that's going to make you a little bit uncomfortable. But he's going to, it's going to be a good stretching. And you have asked for that in more crazy moments in your life, haven't you? Haven't you? Yes. Well, it's coming. Okay. 
All right. Uh, here, I'll give this back to you or to Pastor John. You can 